Woo! <laughs> I'm going to ring the bell. Ding, ding, baby. Absolutely. The Golden Stallion, the Man of Tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R, Woo! Radio Star, ready to bring it on for our uh, August live Q&A hangout. And of course, unfortunately, using Google Hangouts. Now, there's a cup of water next to me here. Hopefully, I don't knock this down as I roll around, but I won't, I won't roll around too much. Um, unfortunately, uh, if you listen to actually yesterday's Star Wars update that came out that Robin and I did, I was, we have just the best time uh, doing that. Um, you might have heard that I had some camera trouble. Well, camera trouble is solved. I actually ended up being a USB port and not one of the cameras but i was in a rush yesterday so whatever anyway you, you never really see the video of, uh, of the star wars update as it is so but regardless you're seeing video now and of course the video uh is available in the show notes if you are listening to the when you end up listening to the audio version of this which which gets released just hours after we actually do this whole thing but otherwise we are running it live and wow um some pretty shocking stuff uh came out well, I guess maybe it was yesterday. Yeah, I think based upon the, the timestamp, it was actually yesterday uh, that it was announced. And uh, feel free. I don't really I have a couple of like preloaded questions set. Uh, feel free to ask questions. Those that are watching uh, on YouTube, feel free to ask questions within the YouTube chat. Uh, you can do that. And I will, re- you know, I keep an eye on that and I can uh, I can read from it. But anyway, I was really shocked um, to hear that Apple of course, they, you know, every one of these tech giants is starting their own little media companies, right? More or less. Um, Microsoft's doing odd things, but bottom line, you know, Apple, I mean, Google has, of course, YouTube, or should I say Alphabet slash Google has YouTube. Um, Apple is trying to do their own stuff with Apple TV, and they've been dropping the ball right and left as far as that goes. They have not been doing well at all. Um, but that said, I am very intrigued. They just announced that they are going to do the foundation. Uh, now, uh, well, okay. Isaac Asimov's foundation. There's so much, <laughs> this is such a tough subject. All I know is, okay. I don't know if they're doing the foundation trilogy, which is what most people think about when they think about foundation, which is like, uh, like the, well, which got written later, but prelude to, to foundation and then uh, the actual book foundation. And then I guess what the second foundation, I think that's, that's the, the third part of the foundation trilogy. Um, I mean, but there's so many foundation books and also of course, later on in life, um, Isaac Asimov would connect the foundation trilogy, the robot, um, you know, the iRobot series, the, the robot stories, and he would create, he would actually write uh, three, I think, I think it was three, uh, Galactic Empire books, which is what the foundation trilogy is kind of a sequel to uh, as far as existence is the Galactic Empire. He would end up connecting most of his stories. And really, you'd only end up with maybe like Nemesis and I think the gods themselves that would sort of sit on their own as being, you know, stories that aren't within, even though Nemesis, I think there's some argument that Nemesis could have been part of the uh, foundation series, but anyway, the foundation series is just, you know, technically it's very massive and uh, Apple is not going for, they are going to produce the series. It's probably going to be on their little TV network, whatever the fuck that is. Um, It's not, it's going to be 10 episodes so far. I mean, I'm, Certainly, they could do a whole hell of a lot more. Uh, a lot of people are expecting this to be Game of Thrones-esque or, or Battlestar Galactica-esque. Unfortunately, the new bullshit Battlestar Galactica, whatever. Um, I'll be curious to see how this shapes up. I'm certainly going to watch it. Um, I have actually theorized for years, and I've talked about this on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes, 
that the reason the foundation series from Asimov wasn't getting made was because Hollywood, whoever held the rights to it, Hollywood was waiting for when like they were just making no money whatsoever because making the foundation series is guaranteed money for a lot of reasons. One is of course, a lot of star Wars arguably at least visually is based off of and, and in name as well, the galactic empire and all that stuff was based off of uh, uh, the foundation series. Okay. So you've got that, you know, I mean like there's, there's visual cues that you could run with that, that are very exciting visual cues. Obviously they work well for star Wars. Um, but I've always felt that, yeah, that like, that's the deal is that, you know, as soon as Hollywood feels like it's run out of money or it's just completely run out of, uh, remakes and whatever else that it can do, then they would pull out a big gun, uh, proverbially like, like the foundation series, but Apple, I I think it's the same reasons is that Apple's TV service is not taking off well at all. It's not doing well at all, but they have to do it because it's not like they, you know, they don't really have any innovative products to come out. And art is that thing that you can consistently, constantly, always scale, you know, like it's, it just goes on to infinity really, you know, with, with art, that's of course the basis of the human condition, but regardless of that, um, yeah, I don't know what Apple paid for this. I'd be curious to hear the story of how all that came together. Uh, but they are going to make the foundation series. And obviously this is going to take on Amazon because Amazon is doing, uh, well, they're redoing Lord of the Rings there which is you know comparable in scope and and scale and size to uh to the foundation uh you know series and then you have uh they're doing the culture series which we've talked about Uh, that actually i think has has very important implications um with within the tech world you know and within society in general i don't think that's just an entertainment play there's something being being done there um so this is interesting. I, I was, I was absolutely shocked. Like I would not have seen this coming, but again, same reasons why I thought Hollywood would do it is because if you needed some guaranteed money, you, you do the foundation series. And I think that's what Apple's thinking is, okay, we need to, we, we need to level up. We need to get this service people taking it seriously. And then you got Disney in 2019 coming out, you know, they're going to have their own streaming service, which is going to have star Wars at the forefront. Well, how do you take on star Wars? Let me tell you how you do that. And if you're not, you know, if you're not less moon at CBS and you don't own star Trek, how do you do it? Well, you do it by you, you know, going with the foundation uh, uh, trilogy or the foundation series, because it has such, you know, name cachet and it has such, uh, such history. And it's so well, you know, it's so widely regarded and well revered. Um, I mean, it's it's a very, very, very simple thing to do. But I, I gotta imagine they they paid out of their. I mean, they have you know, Apple's got the money, but I mean, they they had to have paid out of their asses uh, for that. Uh, let's see. Somebody says uh, in the YouTube chat, everybody needs original content. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. And in fact, you know, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, I would love. I mean, I'm glad when some books get turned into TV series. Um, I, I don't know. You know, it'll be curious to see how much Apple sticks to sticks to the script, if you know what I mean, as far as like what the, the foundation novels would say. Um, but I, I man, I wish we'd get some original properties again in TV and in um uh, you know, and, and in theaters, like, I really, really wish we'd get some original properties. I mean, what the fuck? There's no way 
that the matrix was like the last great idea. I thought Jupiter ascending was fucking awesome. Uh, which of course made by the same people, but like, the, the, there's no way that, that like the last great franchises have been made. It, it's, it's just, it's just not possible, but maybe, you know, where, where these stories have to go are directions that Hollywood refuses to go like that. They don't, they don't want to take things down that road, uh, you know, and, and make things like exciting in that way. Cause if you want to do original stuff, well, you got to get away from, I mean, because imagine what it takes to have a very original story today. Um, just about everything's really a cop show at the end of the day, you know, even movies, everything. And, and, and most of it actually does, you know, of course, appeal to, to some kind of government authority of some kind. But you'd have to get away from that. You know, like, really, you, you'd have to you'd have to look in the different in a different direction. And it couldn't be a cop show. I mean, even Star Trek arguably is a cop show. Um, in fact, I love <laughs> I love the quote from the next from Star Trek, the next generation, uh, the episode with, uh, with Moriarty when he comes back and like, he gets out of the holodeck and everything. And, uh, he says, he sees all he like, he sees a Starfleet security come up. He's like, Oh, the police, I'd recognize them in any century. And like, you know, he's effectively saying Starfleet's the police and, and it's not an unfair, you know, assessment, um, to, to make. And I mean, it's really the, it's really Star Trek almost making fun of itself. Uh, at that moment, Star Trek's still great. You know, don't don't mistake me. Um, but I, I think that that's anyway, the point being is that you'd have to. There's a lot of money that gets injected into Hollywood and that gets injected into a lot of these, uh, you know, various media production companies that comes that literally comes from the government, be it the military giving you discounts or letting them use their equipment or something like that. I mean, the, the, like this is absolutely legitimate. We talked about this years ago on the show on sovereign tech, how top gun two never got made because the military refused to work with Hollywood on it because they said that the first top gun sexualized the military and they, they, they weren't interested. Okay. So the military holds a lot of sway. You know, the government genuinely holds a lot of sway over entertainment. One could argue that, you know, the entire, uh, effectively the red scare in Hollywood, you know, during McCarthyism and, you know, in, in the fifties and so on that all of that, that, I mean, yes, were there communists in Hollywood? Absolutely. There were, of course there were, there still are. Okay. <laughs> but, but th that, that whole, you know, uh, a dog and pony show that was done where, you know, they're putting all of these different movie producers, um, and in studios effectively, you know, the government's putting them on trial. That was really the government like saying, no, you know, you don't get to build your little tinsel town. We're taking it, you know, we're taking it over and we're, we're still ultimately in control because at the time this is, this is a very, and there's some people who use this towards the negative. I don't know that I'd necessarily say it's a negative. Okay. At the time, understand that like the guys that, that, that moved, you know, moved out West. All right. From New York and were a lot of them Jews. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, they, they moved out West and they, they bring water to the desert effectively. Okay. You know, and, and in the shape of Paramount pictures, MGM and, you know, and so on. Okay. You know, all the, the classic movie studios, these movie studios in the movies they were making were in a very real sense, these guys creating their own reality. You know, they were, they, and, and, and very much were, were helping shape the world. I mean, so many concepts that we have today that you don't think have anything to do with entertainment, the American dream, um, you know, man's house is his castle. Uh, like, I mean, there's, there's a million of, of these kind of phrases that we have that are complete marketing horseshit. 
okay, that are either directly from like ads from way back when, you know, from almost a hundred years ago to stuff that was just, you know, schlepped out to everybody in the movies. Okay. But they were really creating their own reality. The, the, I mean, the movie business was so, so powerful, you know, at the time that, yeah, I'd, I'm not shocked the government needed to move in because, you know, if you put on the screen, like if anybody ever really, and this is why I have a hard time believing that Amazon's going to show off or going to like really mention or even hint at kind of the anarchism that exists within the culture series from E&M Banks when they make that, when they finally make that TV series. Okay. Um, if you put on display on, you know, in, in, in a, you know, 2000 theaters around the country, if you showed off like a genuine anarchist kind of utopia styled film, uh, I mean, you, you'd make more anarchists out of that than anybody that would ever listen to pick your fucking libertarian and cap radio show. I don't care which one they won't, they, they would never do half of what one movie put in theaters real theaters okay you know not not some not some el neil shulman or i'm sorry not el, I, I confuse them el neil smith not some not you know not alongside night okay if <laughs> i shulman there <laughs> you know if you got a real film like i i i'm telling you shit would change just like that that's the kind of power you know the, the movies that you know that that art form or that art really really has uh and so, yeah, I, I mean, you know, that, that, that's been really infiltrated. And so I never, I never have any confidence, like what, what it would take. I mean, everything's a remix. Everything is, everything's a fucking remix, you know, but you can get somewhat more original remixes kind of like star Wars was back in 77 and so on. Um, for there to be really original content. Yeah. I think that's kind of what's going on is that they'd have to tell stories and put things on display that would be anathema to the present money-making machine that exists, uh, you know, that, that allows for that content even really to, to get made, I suppose. So a bit conspiratorial of me, but I think that's okay. And I think that there is actually pretty fair evidence for it. Um, because again, you know, it, that's all it takes is for the military or, you know, someone to say, no, you know, we're not interested. I mean, even like, you know, the government of California controls, how many, you know, different permits that you have to have to be able to make a film, um, you know, and, and all this stuff. I mean, the government, if they don't want something to get made at, at a really high production value, yes, they can absolutely put a stop to it. And it's not hard. You know, it's really not hard. So and that's why I always kind of laugh when people say that, that you know, TV and, and the media and all that is the last place of last bastion of free speech and everything. Oh, you're fucking kidding me, you know. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get it within a certain paradigm. It's a bastion of free speech, you know, but at the same time, no, not really, you know, because you can't really do whatever you want. Even if somebody is willing to give you the money, you know, even if somebody at Hollywood's like, yeah, go ahead make a prestige film, which prestige film means that they, they don't have to make the money back on it. It's just something to appease critics or to look good in their catalog, you know, go ahead and make that. Here's 10 million or, you know, today, I guess it'd probably be like 80 million, you know, here's 80 million. You go ahead, you make it. Um, if it's something that somebody in power doesn't like, it's never going to see the light of day. It's just, it's just not going to, I mean, and, and, and I know we don't want to think about the fact that our art is controlled like that, at least that art at that level, at that scale. Uh, but it is, you know, it, it really, really is. So anyway, all of this is to say, 
that I don't know what parts of, not that the foundation series is, you know, inherently anarchistic or anything, but you're never really going to like, they're not, if there's something in, and I think there are things in the foundation series, which is one of my favorite, you know, collection of books ever. Um, there's, there's a lot of things within that that are very anti-authoritarian that those messages might fall by the wayside. Um, and, and again, folks, if you have any questions or whatsoever that you want to make a comment about, you know, in the YouTube chat, by all means, go for it and put it there. Like I said, I don't really have a whole bunch of uh, preloaded questions anyway. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can keep going on this on this vein in this on this tirade uh, <laughs> about entertainment um, if you want. But, uh, yeah, so, again, just very shocking as far as that, that the Foundation series is finally going to get made. Even though with a lot of this stuff, I, I, I really want to be at the point where I'll believe it when I see, you know, kind of the shovel break ground on actual filming and production of it. More so than, you know, necessarily what, uh, you know, m- more so than than just announcing it because I mean, hell, you look folks, there's a chance that Amazon might not make the culture series at all. I mean, I thought that Kim Stanley Robinson's magnificent Mars trilogy was going to get made by spike TV. That, that hasn't been made. It was actually supposed to get released last year. Did it ever get made? No. So sometimes these announcements and buying these rights uh, can just be like, you know, an investor play of some kind. I mean, you know, we, we don't necessarily, have to feel like the confidence. I mean, like when Marvel says they're going to make something, they fucking make it right. But, but not, that doesn't work that way for, uh, for everybody else. So anyway, um, looks like we got, we got someone in the hangout, which hell yeah, you can, uh, we got, uh, Jacob, you can jump right on to the audio and video if you want. And we can see that amazing hair. God damn it. And <laughs> you know what? Yeah, baby. So how's it going, man? Good, good, man. I just kind of, Kind of want to riff a little on uh, what you've been talking about. Sure. Um, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to come here for breaking news, but this is the first I've heard about the uh, the foundation uh, being picked oh, yeah, up by Apple. Made by Apple. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, I admit it's still one of my blind spots. Haven't I don't think I've really read any Asimov, but. Oh, um, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I literally just started reading uh, my first Le Guin book of a few days ago so which one are you reading uh the dispossessed oh yeah that's that's where you start it's either that or left-handed darkness you start with one of those uh but good choice hell yes how far in i mean what are you thinking of it so far oh i'm 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 probably only just a a a couple chapters in. i'm listening to the audio books sure sure not not much has happened uh so right no, I mean, cool. there's, there, there, there's some uh, cultural differences that people are noticing, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of how it starts off is you got that anarchist just dropped in the middle of this world and uh, whew, yeah, things are different for him. So yeah, absolutely. Well, good call. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many great Asimov books. I don't even know where I wouldn't even know where to tell people to, you know, to start um, to really get like his flavor. Like I, I think actually for most people, I tell them to do like end of eternity, which is a really cool time travel story. But anyway, but what, what do you got, Jacob? What, what, what do you got to talk about? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, uh, some of the, uh, the lack of original properties being developed in, uh, Hollywood, you know, sure. for, uh, for television or the movies. And, uh, I, you know, I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's really that big of a deal because, you know, I mean, obviously 
Hollywood is risk averse. And so they want yeah. as sure a thing as possible. Yep. Um, but I think it's great that they, uh, that they're, that they give some love to some great authors who have, you know, developed amazing worlds, uh, you know, like you're, you know, like with the expanse, for instance, or, uh, sure. Or, uh, or the culture series, um, even though banks is no longer with us. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, it, it gives, uh, it gives those people a, a broader voice in the culture and, uh, no, you're right. Because I think like if, if the, if the 84 Dune movie didn't get made, I might've never gotten into Dune and that would have been like, in my mind, a crime against me <laughs> because <laughs> it's such a powerful series, um, for so many reasons. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you're, you're certainly right about, I think, I think that's, that's not an unfair point, um, that, that this does give broader appeal and hopefully gets people into actually like, you know, reading the books and, and going deeper, um, when it happens, which it does. I mean, certainly with game of Thrones, like that TV series, you know, turn those books into phenomenons as to where before, I don't think anybody, you know, really knew much. I mean, there was some, it was, it was popular, but it wasn't as popular. Oh uh, yeah. It, it wasn't part of the general zeitgeist. That's for no, sure. no, not at all. I mean, you know, that, uh, uh, shit now it's terrible. I can't even think of his name. Oh, uh, what's it? George R. R. Martin or whatever. You know, he, nobody knew who the hell he was. I mean, or at least a lot of people didn't. And now, you know, he's a household name. So sure. You're, you're right about that, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, I do do get that, uh, you know, it would be great to see something you haven't seen before. I mean, I don't remember the last time I was truly uh, shocked or amazed by uh, some new movie that came out. It it seems like yeah, we've been in a holding pattern. And, I mean, as much as, you know, and I really do love, I know you're not as much of a fan, but I do love a lot of the Marvel movies. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're very formulaic and... Uh, you know, that's, that's what they put out because they know they make money. Oh yeah. It's, they're safe. I, yeah. I totally understand that. And I, and I know they got to make money, you know, I, I mean, otherwise why do it? I mean, not everything can be a prestige film, you know, that's, that's for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I, well, what other, I mean, can you think of what, like the last movie that, that you really saw that was very, that was like a totally original property that like, wasn't maybe even wasn't even based off of a book. I mean, it is, I, I think, to- I think maybe Jupiter ascending that you mentioned that might've been the last one. And yeah, you know, I think that's same for me. Like I want to think of what was it? Um, was, was it annihilation that was, but that's based off of a Jeff yeah. Vandermeer series. So, but that, I mean, that was pretty wild, uh, weird, but you know, pretty wild. Um, yeah, I have a hard time thinking of like a genuinely, you know, original property. And it's so funny because, you know, I think back to the Matrix, right? And I remember reading uh, uh, Cinescape, which was a, a, a magazine, um, you know, kind of a nerd magazine back in back in the 90s. Um, and, and everybody was like, yeah, we don't know what the hell this is going to be, but, you know, they're laying down $80 million on it. And, you know, it looks like it looks wild. This is going to be pretty interesting. And I mean, and it literally changed the world. So it, it's kind of weird. Like, why doesn't, I don't exactly get why Hollywood isn't interested in, in taking those kind of risks again. I mean, because that was the biggest risk ever and it had the hugest payoff. I mean, just a crazy payoff. And again, we have whole terms now that we use that that movie completely created. You know, uh, so yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I know there's, there's a government aspect of it, which I was talking about, but, but then, then at the same time, 
I don't know what the hell's going on in Hollywood. I, it, it's just, it's very weird. Yeah, I I don't know either. Um, but it's what we've I mean, got right now. So. No, it's true. I, I don't th- I don't think they're going to be making any sovereign universe. No. Anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I mean it, it. The thing you know with the comic book movies, you raise that point. I mean they're like every day I'm seeing news. Okay, oh, this is going to get turned into, uh, you know, I mean like I think they're even making an unbeatable Squirrel Girl uh fucking movie i I mean like there's or at least she's going to be in a movie or something like i mean they're they are mining the fuck out of comic books and they are they're any any minor character is getting a movie made out of them um and it's really to the point where it's just like you know i mean you got to get to the opposite end of that where how can anybody even care you know about like that news and because it's it's all you know they'll they'll just make anything i mean i think i said this before on on, on like a q a or something you know just just imagine that whatever comic book you're reading right now they've already made a movie out of it or they already made a tv series out of it because they're just they're they're grasping it at straws well i, I don't know well and and then and then you've kind of got a reverse problem too uh in you know with books and comic books where you have people writing to get a tv or movie deal you know sure and, and that and that uh, you know perhaps uh you know you know they're you know they get a little formulaic themselves and if that yeah. sells you know it, it it pushes the whole industry in one direct in towards that direction so you know there's there's homogenization on that end as well yeah sure that's true that's true and you know what actually just came to mind a a movie more recent than jupiter ascending that was an original property that actually did really well was uh, arrival um oh yeah yeah well but that was that was based on a short story oh oh was no you're right fuck okay yeah so no all right yeah i stand corrected you're right yeah so that's still jupiter ascending um you know, it's interesting. I, I mean, I'll just bring this up because there's been a lot of talk around this. Of course, uh, Denise Villeneuve's uh, Dune. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to bring that one up, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, like there. So there's a company. I forget the name of the company. They're doing a big tabletop RPG about it. But basically the rollout of all of the products that just this one company was doing for Dune. It's pretty clear. Hollywood is banking very hard on on the Dune series. And I think they have to because they know they're going to have to compete now. And maybe they yet they had insider information to know that they had to compete on this because Apple had to buy those movie rights for foundation off of somebody or buy the rights, uh, the, the you know, the airing rights. Um, you know, I think Dune Dune's about the only thing you could have that could take on anything Disney's got. It's the only thing that you could take on the foundation series. It's the only thing that could take on the culture series and Lord of the Rings. Um, I mean, like th- that, that's, th- it's kind of Hollywood's dark horse. So, but yeah, I, I, go ahead. You know, I hope so because all right, from a, from an artistic standpoint, mm-hmm. I have a lot of faith in Villeneuve. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine was fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah, but it that didn't do very well, you know, financially True. speaking. So, our audience is going to be ready for his version of Dune. I don't know. I mean. I hope well, so. I, I mean, I would, I would love to see it be a huge hit. Um, you yeah. Know, get, get more of that type of thing made, but. The w- yeah, I think, I mean, based on like, since we're already, I mean, th- that's another one where there really hasn't even been a breaking of ground of production 
on that so much. Um, for there to be already these crazy announcements above like massive uh, merchandising deals and all that, um, I th- I think I think Hollywood is looking no matter what like this has to succeed. Um, I don't know if they're going to get in Villeneuve's way, which would be ironic. Like if if you know the bean counters get involved in the production of Dune that Villeneuve is doing, like if he did what David Lynch had to do and he says, okay, no, take my name off the fucking film, you know, and put Alan Smithy on as the director, right? Like that's the name, the the, the code name that they use. Yeah. The director leaves a leaves a production, or when they're not approving the cut. Um, that would be pretty ironic if if that happened, but uh, but yeah, I I think they're they're banking really really hard uh, on, on this one, and and yeah, and that could be good because that means they're putting in the amount of money that it needs. That means that uh, uh, you know they're taking it very seriously. Um, even though I think they were really taking it seriously in '84, and I still think that was a great film. It just ended up being like really confusing for people. Uh, unfortunately, which I think that was Dune's really only problem back then is that it was just way too confusing for people because in 84, when you went to go see Dune, they were literally at the movie theaters. They were handing you out cards that explained what all the characters did. And that's not really, yeah. Like, I mean, that's terrifying. If you're you're getting handed a cheat sheet, you know, to go and see this movie, like, you know, you're in for, Oh no, what the hell, you know, but then for for whatever reasons that, you know, it is, it's still an amazing uh, movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Villeneuve's version there. So anyway, anything else you got on that? Uh, I mean, I mean, it's tangentially relate, related. I mean, you were sure. talking about the, you know, um, about the power of art and you've been really hammering on that a lot lately. And, uh, I, I just wanted to say, uh, keep that up. You know, I've, I've noticed it in several episodes. You talk about the importance of art. I mean, it, I mean, it can change people for the better and for the worse. And, uh, you know, we need more to help change people for the better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's not talked about enough, uh, and it is completely valid and wonderful and largely legal activism. You know, not that I care about legality, but I mean, it's, it's, well, as I've said uh, for years and, and on the and on shows recently, and I appreciate you picking up what I've been putting down and you're, you're certainly right about it and it's intentional. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to change anything through politics or economics. And I know a lot of people especially don't want to hear the economic part. Okay. But, but I really don't think we are, you know, like as far, you know, the only way you're going to do it is by, is genuinely by like, getting right to the heart of people. And the one thing that has always gotten to the heart of humans for as long as there have been humans is art itself. Uh, and so I think that's a direction we need to pay way more attention to. People need to be putting out as much as they can. Um, it's, and, and, and it's sad too, because it doesn't matter what anarchist flavor we're talking about, you know, pick your color, you know, go with the whole technicolor rainbow of anarchism nobody's putting out enough, you know, content where anarchism is a baseline on it. Um, no one's putting out enough content where like the next step in, in human evolution is a major part of it. I mean, there, there's just not enough. There's not even remotely enough. And one could argue one could get conspiratorial about it. Kind of like I was saying earlier, where if Hollywood really wanted to put out a powerful message, the government wouldn't let them. Okay. Uh, one could go down kind of that road, but I, I don't know. You know, in fact, um, a, a great comic, speaking of comic books and something that actually already had a movie, but it was made in the 60s, still a tremendous film. Uh, probably the best comic book running right now, in my opinion, is Barbarella um, from IDW. 
and they're doing a, uh, or sorry, from Dynamite, not IDW. I always get those two confused. Um, they're doing a, the, the run is, it's only nine issues in. The ninth issue just came out uh, uh, Wednesday. And it's a mature comic, and they're putting that right on the cover of it, saying this is mature. And I mean, there's plenty of sex in it, plenty of, you know, unorthodox relationships. I mean, like there's robots, you know, fucking humans. You've got, uh, you know, lesbianism, uh, you know, all kinds of homosexuality, all kinds of non-traditional uh, uh, you know, expressions of love and everything. And I thought it was really interesting. There's a point where they, for whatever reason, I'm not going to explain the story, but for whatever reason, Barbarella and this other, this mathematician character, they end up like in the, during like the 1920s in New York and like, because they're dealing with mobsters and everything. And Barbarella and this mathematician who are from the, you know, the far flung future where Barbarella is originally from, um, they call them proto-humans. And I, I just thought like, it, it just stunned me when they, when, when she said that, like, she's not, you know, they're human and they look just like Barbarella, but she's like, no, no, these are proto humans. Like, this is, this is what humans were like before they became, you know, what we are and, and have like their level of, uh, you know, of, of not, not just like nothing really, it seems to do with even technological advancement, but more sociological advancement. Um, that Barbarella constantly puts on display and does so even with just nice quick one-liners. Um, and, and I don't, I wonder if, if kind of like how Star Trek back in the sixties was able to slip in a lot of different, uh, you know, messages that, that, uh, you know, the TV execs and whatever didn't notice. Um, a part of me almost feels like, and it's one of the reasons I'm really enjoying the Barbarella series is that they're slipping in all these little ideas at points. Like they're just little quick one shot lines, but if you're reading them and if you're reading it carefully, you go, Whoa, what the hell did she just say? And, and, it, and it, it's, it's amazing, you know, when, when, when that happens, but I loved that concept of like, Oh no, the, these, these are proto humans. Um, and, and that just that those kinds of ideas, you know, and, and getting all that out there in art Absolutely. It's not being done enough. Um, and, and I appreciate your support on that, that, that sort of message, you know, that, that we got to be concentrating on art and all that, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's resonating with you and that, uh, you know, I think you agree. So I, I really do appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I read that first issue of Barbarella months ago. Uh, yeah. that, was, that was the only one I thought, and I, I thought this would, I know Brian would love this it yeah. seemed right up, your, seemed right up your alley. So yeah, I'm not yeah. surprised to hear that uh, you have been reading it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I will say, you know, quickly, um, not, not to just like, like talk about me or, or get really like navel gazing with sovereign tech. Um, I mean like Barbarella, what? So, okay. When I was young, huge Duran Duran fan, still am a huge Duran Duran fan. And you, you know, you, I always wondered like, okay, wait, where does the name Duran Duran come from? You know, it's just kind of a weird name for an eighties pop band to have. And you find out that that's the name of a scientist in the movie Barbarella. And of course, then it made sense that like in 96, Duran Duran has a, has a song called Electric Barbarella. It's actually a great song. Um, and, and so that I was like, okay, well, what's this Barbarella thing? And then you find out like at science fiction conventions, everybody would have like a Barbarella poster or something with Jane Fonda on it and all that. And eventually I got to watching the film and I said that, you know, I don't know what the hell that was. That was nuts, but okay. There was some really great sex in it. So what the hell? Like, you know, I, I could watch this over and over again. And, and I, I became a really big fan of, of Barbarella um, over the years, the character in general. In fact, before, well, long before uh, Dynamite started their new uh, comic book series, um, like, uh, well, I'll let this out. The character of Dr. Goldblossom 
as much as it may be based on certain sovereign tech co-host uh, is very much like based around the character of Barbarella uh, and a lot of the cheese and kind of over the topness and sort of message of love. And a lot of those things that are in the sovereign universe are totally based off of, uh, you know, what was his name? John Claude Forrest, I think was the original writer of Barbarella uh, totally based off of, of what he was putting down, you know, really decades ago. Uh, and, and I still think it's such advanced stuff, but that's the thing. We, we haven't paid enough attention to art to realize that a lot of the messages we want to get out there are already out there, or we, it's a great venue to be able to do it now, uh, more so than ever before. So anyway, yeah, uh, that's, that's what I've got on that. But, uh, anything else, Jacob? I uh, no, I think I'll, um, uh, you know, uh, log off for the day. Um, but sure. uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll switch on to some other subjects. So, you know, I appreciate the, I, I love, I mean, you know, I love talking to geeky shit. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's no problem at all. But anyway, thanks, man. Yep. Have a good one. Yeah. So, all right. Um, again, if you want to ask any questions in the YouTube chat, feel free to, uh, to lay it down. Otherwise, I'm just going to kind of keep running my mouth. Um, one of the, this, this wasn't like an exact question um, that I got but I, I want to talk about it. And this isn't really a tech subject. I mean, the foundation series kind of was a tech subject because, you know, that had to do with that whole subject really more so than the fact that the foundation series is getting made. It really had more to do with the fact that like Apple knows it can't innovate. And so how do you keep making money? Well, again, you go with the infinitely, seemingly infinitely scalable uh, marketplace, which is art, you know, which is entertainment. Okay, uh, because people always want to be entertained. So and you can just keep making it and then you can make side movies and you can make blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you can just keep going with that. Uh, so it's an interesting thing to point out, you know, just how much money Apple is putting into entertainment, because I think that speaks to how much money they don't think that they can actually make when it comes to their actual products or software, you know, it's like their, their hardware or their software. So anyway, um, you know, that, that was kind of the point with that, but a question that I've been getting a lot lately and well, actually I've gotten this, I think I might've even read one of the emails I got from somebody cause, cause I got an email I, I had, there was an episode, boy, this hell, this might've been a year ago. God, fuck. I can't believe that. Maybe. Well, anyway, it was the episode when mistress Harley was on, uh, mistress Harley is the tech dom. Um, and she, like I, I, I dig what, what she's got going on. Um, you, she's pretty famous. She's been on shows, certainly significantly larger, um, than, uh, let's see, significantly larger than, you know, sovereign tech is not that sovereign tech is small. All right. You know, what? I'm going to stop for a second because <laughs> I just got a notification. And while we're talking about entertainment, I haven't shared this yet in a newsletter and it wouldn't be until September's newsletter that I could share it. Um, I talked about in last week's episode, episode 291 of, of Sovereign Tech, um, I talked about there at the end of it during the climax, I talked about the whole blockbuster thing about, you know, how I watched this angry video game nerd review and he's been doing these reviews recently where it's like they're in an old rental store and it's just a few guys sitting around shooting the shit, you know, about whatever movie they happen to be reviewing. Well, I just got a notification literally as I'm recording this notification just came across my uh, desktop here that said uh, angry video game nerd just did another review and it's of the Street Fighter movie from 1994. I fucking love this movie, but here's the weird thing about this. Okay, so we're going to go on a little side tangent. All right. Um, And I'll get back to the Mistress Harley thing and what I meant about that uh, in a minute. But. Something to recognize is that a lot of websites, for example, io9, 
um, and a bunch of other ones. Okay. If they start talking about, if these websites, you know, pick your entertainment, comicbook.com, whatever, take, take your pick of the entertainment website. If, and this annoys me to no end. And, and I don't, I don't like have like literal confirmation of this, but I really feel that it's what's going on. If a website suddenly starts talking about like out of the blue, here, here's an example. Okay. If out of the blue, IO9 did wrote some article about the original Stargate movie. Let me tell you what that article is really about. That article is priming you for a announcement to come out in the next few weeks or even next few months that there's going to be a new Stargate film. Okay. Now I'm not saying that that actually happened, but it's happened a lot. Like there was a point where IO nine was doing a bunch of lost in space articles. And then like five, six weeks later, suddenly there's announced an announcement. Netflix is, is remaking uh, lost in space. Now, do you think that that was what just, just, you know, serendipity fortuitousness that, that, that happened there? no, no, Netflix told io9 months in advance, hey, we're going to remake Lost in Space, start publishing some articles because most websites and most news sources today are I mean they're native what you call native advertising where it's meant to look like it's it's a story about this, but really it's to try and sell you something or to try and push you in a direction or or get you, you know, think in a certain way, but at the end of the day it's to sell you something. It's called native advertising. Okay, this kind of thing happens all the time. Now, I'm a little angry video game nerd has got, you know, James there has that show's gotten big enough. I mean, they're on Amazon now, too. It's not just on YouTube. He's also his episodes there on Amazon, um, you know, on Prime Video. He's he's pretty big. And I could believe that he would get forwarded some money to talk about a movie that a remake is going to come out in the very near future. Now, what, what makes this weird is that a story I had lined up for the Sovereign Tech newsletter was a write-up in The Guardian about the 1994 Street Fighter movie and how it was just like this epic mess. And it, I mean, it was amazing to read. It was one of the, because I love, the, like, uh, here, I've got the Blu-ray. Uh, well, I won't pull it down right now, but it's, it's right up there under Darkman. Um, you know, I mean, I, I love that film. I think that that film is so fun, and there's so many great one-liners in it that Van Damme, uh, delivers as Colonel Guile. Um, of course, it's the last movie of Raul Julia and so on. Um, like out of nowhere, the, the Guardian makes this. I mean, and it wasn't just like a like a like a like a five paragraph blurb story that they did to talk about how Van Dam was on coke in '94 and and you know he was off to Hong Kong and wouldn't come back on Mondays or Tuesdays or something like that. It wasn't anything like that. This was a long form guardian piece and the guardians known for these when they have a very special story, they'll do that. In fact, they even have a podcast feed. The guardian has a podcast feed where it's called the long reads where their long form stories. They will turn them into podcasts. Now I don't think they've done one for street fighter, but they'll do these now and again. And, and that's really precious kind of mind share to put out about this little fucking film that outside of me, most people really don't remember. Okay. Um, even though it was kind of a big deal back in 94, um, you know, for, for that to happen. And we just had somebody join up and we're, we're going to talk to them, uh, in a second here. So, uh, <laughs> but it's weird that, okay, we get this huge story in the guardian talking about the 94 street fighter film. And then now we also have James doing a full on video at angry video game nerd 
about the 94 Street Fighter film. So I'm I'm kind of I I get I get suspicious when when you get all of these you know different uh, uh you know venues coming together and suddenly they start talking about something does it mean we're going to get a street fighter movie in the near future well look we've heard, there's actually a ton of street fighter movies and they come out all the time uh just they they don't do like a big theater release or something maybe there's going to be a huge theatrical release coming up but we'll see mark my words if in the next few weeks or even like the next six months suddenly there's kind of an announcement like that golden stallion called it once again but uh Anyway, just I just wanted to, to get that get that out there. Um, but we've got actually Daniel. Daniel, did you want to get on? Did you want to jump on? You got a question? Actually, actually, I don't know. <laughs> just oh, okay. No, I, if you don't, if you're just there to listen, <laughs> go for it, man. You can just listen. Yeah, that's fine. No, I'm just coming back from work now. So. Uh, oh hell yeah, yeah yeah. No, just listen in then, man. Cool. All right, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, there's a couple ways that that people can uh, can listen to the show. You can actually join the hangout and just kind of mute yourself. I know people have done that over time. Um, or there's the YouTube uh, link that that the people can do it uh, through that. So let's see. Uh, actually, in the YouTube chat, we got I played the Street Fighter tabletop RPG back in the day. Yeah, you know, Street Fighter Two was a phenomenon. I mean, it was a fucking phenomenon. Like like there there has been very few times that something has that it, certainly a video game franchise has gone to that level and that in mortal Kombat, there was kind of that friendly competition going between those companies too, that really helped really help both game series, uh, in a very real way. So anyway, um, I guess I'll go back to, since we got about, we got about 15 minutes left. So if you got other questions you want to get in, feel free to get them in. And again, you can ask them in the, in the YouTube chat. Uh, yeah. Tabletop RPG, a street fighter though. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I have actually, I have a, here, you know what? I'm going to pull it down. So don't worry. I'm, I'm still talking. So it's not dead audio. You never want dead audio. But if you're watching the video, you can see I've actually got a Street Fighter 2, got a figure here of Zangief from uh, who is kind of my favorite character and actually a very funny guy in the movie of Street Fighter. Um, but yeah, there's there's a nice little classic action figure. Admittedly, it is a, uh, a remake that there's a company, I think super seven and they do other ones. I actually, I have the rocketeer up there as well as I have a figure of the rocketeer. I'm a huge fan um, of that movie. So anyway, I'll set that aside, but uh, just so you know how much I love street fighter <laughs> when you've got action figures still and you're 37 years old, no, you can have action figures in your 70. And I think it's a beautiful thing. You know, you kind of like dark helmet, right? No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, all right. Um, I was talking about Mistress Harley. So a lot of emails that I've gotten have to do with where, and, and, and I don't know if people don't know this about me. Uh, if you don't know this about me, it's one of the things that has been, I had gotten questions about. In fact, when I used to be on free talk live, cause I did free talk live for two years, uh, Stephanie and I uh, both did it, uh, with Mark edge and I would get people calling into, it was funny because you know, Sovereign Tech's never been a call-in show. This is the closest thing we've ever done to a call-in show where we do the live hangouts once a month. Okay. But years ago, you know, we're talking back in 2012, 2013, I would get people that would call into Free Talk Live to talk to me. Again, I, there's two other hosts there, but they wanted to talk to me about something I said on Sovereign Tech. <laughs> I, thought it was, I mean, it's very sweet. And, and, you know, I mean, you can't buy that kind of press. I mean, that that's, that's phenomenal. But one of the things that would get, you know, asked of me a lot is, wow, you know, Brian, what do you mean by this whole, you know, you're a feminist thing? Okay. So if you didn't know that, that I have an affinity towards feminism, 
Well, Sovereign Tech's been running six years and that's never really changed. I don't call myself, uh, I mean, there was a time where I kind of called myself a feminist, but one of the things you learn within feminism is that if you're a guy, you call yourself an ally to feminism, not you don't exactly call yourself a feminist. Okay, but that's that's all, I'm not going to get into all those semantics and, you know, in the, in the here and there, because a lot of stuff can, to a lot of people can seem to boil down to semantics. And when you start arguing from that perspective, you know, then they just, they, they get all, you know, glassy eyed on you and, and what good is that? So anyway, um, with Mistress Harley, you know, she was like talking about, oh, I think women should be in charge. I think women are this, blah, 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 blah. And then I got an email from a guy that says, you know, what are you, a coward? You know, you weren't sticking up for men there or anything like that. Um, and that's utter horseshit. I mean, the entire statement, like me being a coward and and, and, and so on. Um, sorry, I've, I've been through way too much in my life to ever be called that kind of thing. Um, but Anyway, so the one thing I, I get a lot of questions about, and I'm just going to put it in summation, is, Brian, do you hate men? No. <laughs> I don't hate myself, and I fully, fully ascribe as a man. I fully describe, you know, uh, you know, call myself a man. I identify as a man. I am a man. Okay? I do not, obviously, I don't hate myself. Um, you know, there's times where we crack jokes about men, just like I cracked jokes about government and so on and so on. Um, you know, look, I, I talk about that. Here, here's the thing. Here, here's my take on this. Okay. If it sounds like I'm being harsh towards guys, I, I actually, I, I feel I have a good reason. I think guys more so than just about anybody. Okay. Because I do think that women have along with other, you know, minority groups, racial groups, whatever else that have been really hindered, hampered, uh, attacked and treated completely unfairly throughout history. And look, even if you buy into, you know, Western, whatever kind of history books, it's right there. Like you can read it. You can say now that it's no longer the case or that, you know, oh no, women actually have control, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I will agree with you that in a, in family court, absolutely. There is a, uh, you know, women have seemed to, to get, you know, better treatment and have an advantage or something there. Okay. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend that that's not so, but you know, a lot of this historical cases of oppression with various groups, including women, uh, you know, is a very real thing. Now, again, if you want to bring up statistics and argue that that's not the case anymore, we can argue about those statistics. But historically, and historically not that far away, you know, I mean, decades, even 100 years is really a stone's throw as far as history goes. Remember in Cosmos, remember when Carl Sagan, who I love, guess what? I don't hate men. I love Carl Sagan. Um, you know, remember when, when, when he does the kind of the galactic calendar? And he's showing how much of a time on a monthly calendar, just like on your average month calendar. Look behind me if you see behind me on the video. Like, look at one of those calendars, one of those dates. If you looked at like the 31st day on the history of the universe, you're, you're not even like a speck on the little square box of day 31 of the universal calendar or the galactic calendar. I mean, that's how much time frame, that's how much time has passed since there has been humans, just practically nothing compared to the age of the universe. Okay. So again, a hundred years is a very short period of time, very short period of time. Um, so, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, that, 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 that all of these different people were still treated like shit. And if you think that culture changed just like that overnight, um, no, that's, that, that, that's, that's a pretty tough pill to, to swallow if one is thinking genuinely logically about it. Okay. Uh, so my point in saying all that and saying all of this is that, no, I do not hate men. What I do think though, is I think that men, it is incumbent upon men 
to be nothing less than fucking amazing to be nothing less than the absolute best optimum pick your pick your your positive adjective to be that and honestly a lot of the guys that i encounter even in the liberty movement or whatever i'll just say it they're lazy fucking bums not all obviously okay but i mean you know no one can make the you know only a sith speaks in absolutes right it's not an absolutist statement but i think it is really incumbent upon guys today to be just the best fucking thing that they can be i think it's incumbent upon anarchists to be the best person that they could possibly be you know that doesn't even have to do with gender all right and so i get a little you know it's it's one of the things i do when i think something isn't up to snuff i get insulting about it that's true for technology it's true for the entertainment business it's true for art it's true for men and i don't i don't i mean I, i i've said this before you know that you have too many too many guys too many people worried about how can we make the world better for men instead of men thinking, how can I be the better man in this world? You know, they want to reshape the world to somehow, you know, like, like pattern what they are instead of them themselves being the better person. And that's my problem. That's where I'm coming from. Okay. And, and, and if you, you know, I might not get that point across all the time and I'll try to do better about it, but I wanted to address it here because I've also gotten recent ones, uh, recent emails, you know, in that, in that vein. So anyway, we got a, got a little bit left and we got a man, my, uh, my star Wars update co-host sovereign tech co-host full on, uh, Robin Freebeard is in the hangout. Robin, man, how are we doing? You want to, you want to jump on? You got some questions. What do you got? Hey man, how's it going? Good. No, good. I mean, I just wanted to do, uh, jump in on the conversation. I mean, I, I agree with you hundred um, percent. I, I think not only do we need to just be the best men we can be, I mean, we just need to do better period. Um, you know, one criticism I have, especially about, you know, the, uh, the libertarian culture is, is that, uh, you know, we're really good at identifying what a lot of people like to call the hidden regulation mm-hmm. in society. Uh, but the blind spot is, is when it comes to, you know, gender relations. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just just look at history. Look at what's going on in the news. Spot the hidden regulation. It's there. You can see that, you know, people are not being treated fairly or equally in any sense of the word. Yeah. I mean, how many Uma Thurmans have to come out? You right. know, I mean, you take your pick to say, hey, look, this is what I've had to go through. And you think, oh, no, that's a very successful woman, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Right. <laughs> it doesn't, and, that and doesn't the, matter. Yeah. And the other blind spot comes is, uh, you know, like a lot of these groups like MRIs, MRAs and stuff, they like to, uh, you know, give over much attention to the outliers mm-hmm. and, you know, say, well, you know, this is here where, you know, actually men are, you know, being mistreated. But uh, a lot of the stuff they bring up uh, tends to be, you know, a lot rarer. And like I said, the outlier situations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and look, you know, it, it's funny because you will have where I, in fact, I remember years ago, uh, I guess maybe this is when Obama was going to be getting into office or some, some, someone on the left was getting into office and Glenn Beck was talking about it and they made, it, it was in some town in Oregon, there was some kind of protest going on and Glenn Beck, you know, it looked like this huge leftist kind of uh, uh, activism of some kind going on. And Glenn Beck sent his own cameras there and you found out there was actually only like literally two people like, but right. the, the, the camera editing was so good 
you know, the editing was so well done that it made it look like it was this huge movement of some kind. Now people say that, you know, uh, well, yeah, that's a tactic of the left or something. No, why, why would it just be a tactic of the left? It's the tactic of, of all authoritarianism yeah. to make certain things look bigger than they are to have it as an, you know, I mean, look, even in podcasting, okay. Uh, the really popular podcasts, unless it's a show that has like big name guests on or something like that. One of the things that they have to do is they have to create a boogeyman. Okay. Because they need to create something to, to create an excitement around their show. They need something that they have to be against. It's a very easy way to get people excited about whatever the hell you're talking about. And a lot of times people will create boogeymen. And I think that in a lot of this, uh, you know, th there have been boogeymen created over time where they will look at the extreme, like you were talking about, they'll use the extreme examples of say feminists that are arguing for no more sex and we need, uh, you know, transhuman bodies or something like that. Instead of looking at the very real cases that have come out, you know, again, you take your Uma Thurman's, you take whoever else that has said, no, look, this is exactly what happened. And, yeah. you know, and, and they're completely but, reasonable arguments. Go ahead. But even what, what's the problem if, if, if uh, some people, do want to like, you know, completely cut out, you know, any sort of uh, biological uh, uh, need for men to reproduce and they want transhuman. Why not just let them do it? How does that affect you in the least? Well, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that's the thing too, is that, okay. I, you know, yeah, just let them, let them go. You go over there. I mean, it is at the end of the day, it really is a big planet. You know, you right. go ahead and you go over there and you have the great, the great time you become transhumanists, you go over there and, you know, and you really, and you do your thing. Um, and yeah, but people just can't seem to let well enough alone. They're terrified that their kids are going to see it somehow. And then their kids are going to think that it's okay. Well, guess what? No parents, it is okay. Cause they're over there doing it. They're not bothering you. You know, <laughs> well, I don't even see that they need to go anywhere. I mean, you look at the, right. the, um, and, and unfortunately that is becoming a necessary thing in some communities. You look at the situation of the, um, the, uh, transgender child, and I don't remember which state this was. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, she started using uh, the women's restroom in this in this public school and this private, you know, Facebook group of, of quote unquote concerned parents, you know, basically started, you know, complaining about it. And then it turned into death threats and then they had right. to shut down the school. I mean, yeah. yeah. Why can't well, you just let people be? Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you uh, that they really, you can, you know, you, you can just let people be that not everybody has to go like carve off their own little side. I'm just saying like, if they wanted to do it at a societal scale, there's a place right. for them, you know, to well, be, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, but I, but I understand what you're, I completely get what you're saying. Yeah. Just let people be whatever the hell, uh, you know, they, that they want to be. Um, right. Yeah. I don't know why that bothers anybody. I, I just, I don't understand. Um, and, and really any, I, I, of course, I always feel like if you're concerned, well, my kid's going to see that you're really more concerned that you're going to see that, uh, you know, often enough. I mean, I, I think there's people that genuinely are concerned about their parents, but a lot of times parents are just using their kids as a shield. Um, and they're using well, even, their kids for all kinds of things. Well, even so what, I mean, what is your kid going to see? I mean, you're talking about your kid, you know, crawling into the, the, the stall with this person and, and, and taking a peek. No, right. I mean, you know, just, <laughs> stop raising creepers, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and yeah, no, no, I, I hear you, man. Um, and yeah, uh, but that's, but that's it is that, you know, too many of us are not concerned with just being the best people that we can be. And we're too busy trying to tell other people how to be, yeah. you know, and, and that's what I'm seeing a lot. And, and I agree with you, your, your critique of, of libertarianism, um, where, 
you know, I get it. Yes. People have the right to, you know, if they just want to sit on a couch and eat Doritos, like, and I mean this, go right ahead. Like, you know, I I, I don't say that as insult. Um, I'm just saying, don't want to live that, but then expect to tell other people how the hell they should live. You know, uh, right, exactly. And, that, and that's yeah. the whole thing, too, is like I said, is, is, you know, the libertarians like pride themselves on being able to identify, you know, the 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 hidden factor that's going on that's causing, you know, certain problems. Um, but they, they just have this one glaring blind spot when mm-hmm. it comes to society. You know, they're 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 overly concerned with 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 the economics. And that's just one segment of life that we all have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So again, it's, so yeah, I I mean, it's just people accepting kind of mediocrity and, and, and wallowing and trying to thrive within mediocrity, which is ironic because libertarianism supposedly is a lot about meritocracy. Um, I've yet to see, I've seen few, if any examples of even attempts at real meritocracy. Everything is cheating. Everything is gaming the system. Everything is, you know, I, I mean, like it's just the worst. And I've talked about it over the years, like how you have entire social media groups within libertarianism where the, the, and it's a, a secret group where the whole thing is about, okay, you prop up my story and then I'll prop up yours. And like, I, I mean, it's just like this really underground thing, but it makes it look like that these people are bigger than they really are. You know, again, it's more of those tactics where you're not really seeing the reality of the situation, um, you know, and so on. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting way out in the weeds, but well, no, I mean, yeah, we've, we've both experienced this. I mean, I challenge yeah. anybody to, uh, you know, to uh, join the free state project and move to New Hampshire and start a, you know, kind of libertarian focused business based off the values of meritocracy. See how long it takes for things to start going South. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've been here for years. <laughs> Yeah, and I've seen it tried, and I've seen where all that shit goes, and right. just yeah, it, it it doesn't it doesn't fly. Yeah, the, so, the, commu- the community doesn't actually function that way. No, right, right, and and again, I I think that there's there's a lack of concentration on where you know where the change really starts, and you know, right, not to sound like a Michael Jackson song, but you know, you got to start with the man in the mirror, right, and Absolutely. he's got to change his ways, and right. you know, if you're not working on that first, fuck anything else that you want. Who cares? You know, because you're not even, you know, you're not even self-centered or should I say self-interested in the way that you should be and solving your own problems, you know, before, before you go out really into the world, I think. So, yeah, it's a really important thing. And, and I, I, I get why people think that I'm saying I hate men or something like that. No, I, I just, I hate mediocrity and I just want, I want people to be, you know, be their best selves, whatever that is. And that's a subjective thing. I agree, but I want them to even to just try, you know, and, and, and they don't even try. It, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Can, can I, I tr- go ahead? Oh, Daniel, right on, man. Go for it. Yeah. Sorry. I I'm, I'm glad that I actually jumped in, even though it's 45 minutes late, but I'm also a little <laughs> annoyed that it's uh, at the one hour mark and there's probably not, not enough time to, we, we can, to, we can add on really time. Go so, for it. But so I, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, I think I, I saw on Netflix Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. It's a stand-up show. I mean, theoretically comedy, stand-up comedy, but it's, it's right. more of a, have, have, you, have you seen it or do you know what I'm talking about? I know about? of it. I, I haven't seen it though, no. It's probably one of the most powerful things that I've, that I've seen in a very long time. And at the same time, it's one of the most frustrating things that I've seen in a long time as well. And it kind of goes somewhat 
toward like the the my frustration of it is probably not too dissimilar from whoever it was that asked you if you hate men or or, or what or what brought this what brought mm-hmm. this about and I, I'm I'm wondering maybe maybe I can talk about it at the next uh, <laughs> at the next live live hangout uh, like September's live hangout instead of instead of now because I I, I I don't know if I can summarize it well enough but I think I, I'll tr- I'll try quickly that yeah go for it, it it's a it, it, spoiler alert whoever wants to turn it off turn it off now otherwise you're all fucking terrorists as the great Brian Sovereign <laughs> likes to say cool Brian so, <laughs> yeah quote, quote Brian Sovereign um and, and by the way Brian um for all those hardcore uh followers of yours if you go back to episode one of Sovereign Tech when you introduced yourself I believe you introduced yourself as an anarcho-feminist as, yeah as I might have said the that. very first uh, sentences that came out of your mouth on podcast yeah, I um, think that, so, that, that's very true yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be a resident historian on the on the gaming historian <laughs> show. Um, anyway, no, it's that sidetrack. So, so um, Hannah Gadsby is uh, is uh, Tasmanian Australian. Uh, she's lesbian, and she she had a an absolute absolutely horrific time coming out. Mm. And her show, uh, she, she was she 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 turned to comedy. I don't know if if she was a comedian before that or before coming out or not. But she she turned to comedy and mostly sort of as a defense mechanism. And uh, and the, the show in the net is kind of like an autobiography of of sorts. But it's also it's also kind of putting putting lesbian stand-up or lesbian comedy on the pedestal and sure. kind of shining shining a light on it okay and how a lot of a lot of gay um comedians or trans or various others comedians sure. of that of that realm comedians just go along the lines of sort of self-deprecating humor in a mm-hmm. way and she found it obviously just that in itself not not appropriate because like well why why do i need to insult myself to to make you laugh why can't i insult someone else which was the first thing that kind of annoyed me because like why do you need to insult anyone um but then it it also turned to more more along the lines of kind of like a, a bit of a meta thing around like well what is what is the sort of anatomy of comedy and what makes what makes comedy funny and it's kind of like setting it up you know setting the joke up and getting the punchline so so it's like getting the suspense and breaking the suspense right but it's kind of like the the beginning and the middle but there's in comedy you don't get the third part which is the end which is finding out what happened at the end of the story and she gives a couple of examples for and again i really do apologize for for those who haven't seen it and i won't give too many examples but one example of like a a sort of a bad situation which was portrayed in her comic acts before as funny and i guess you know good in a way it's like she she was um at a at a bus stop one night and there was a there was a 
dude and his girlfriend and she was being nice to the to the lady and the guy thought he was she was hitting on him and he was about to punch her or, or fight her or something and then she then he realized that she's a lady and then he was like oh sorry you know i was i was a guy or something like that or anyway he he, he thought it was uh, he he thought it was it, it was a misunderstanding because he was about to punch a lady then he realized he, it, it was a lady whereas um you know she was still hitting <laughs> hitting on his right, girlfriend right. In, in a way so that made that made it funny if it was told as a full story he, he would have you know the audience would have realized that afterwards after they had left he came back realizing that she was still that she was hitting on her and beating her up anyway right and that's just it's just terrible no no matter how you look at it and there was and 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 there are other examples and i don't want to give away the others because it is a good show and i encourage people to watch it Mm -hmm. but it goes on it goes on for 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 an hour and a half or however long however long it is exploring all of the really terrible things that are that are clearly happening and that should clearly be known to everyone, including myself. And I, and I do genuinely think that, uh, that I am an ally and that I am not, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not, you're not an MRA. Patronizing, not, 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 yeah. not, yeah, no, but more of it, like not discriminating. And, and right. I, I do genuinely think that, that I, that I live my life in a way that I, that I afford anyone, gay, straight, bisexual, trans, whatever, the same respect as anyone else. Sure. But having but having seen that 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 routine and some of the jokes that I laughed at and some of the jokes that I didn't laugh at or that made me queasy, I came to realize, hang on a second, there are some things that that I don't quite, you know, realize that that, that I that I have some some bias, you know, there. And that is a phenomenal way to get to people because you really do get people to, to wear the other shoe. Yeah. And, you know, cause, cause I think she, she, she had like a, a was like really, really, really anti male, which I thought was distasteful, which was then sort of, um, after the joke, she was like, ah, no, this, I'm, I'm just joking. It's just locker room talk. Right, and I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, that was like, "Yes, you made me feel very, very awkward." And now I realize sometimes when, you know, there are jokes that are directed yeah, the other way that people say, yeah. "I don't take it," so I don't take it, so so I don't take so much offense to it. You know, so right. so that's like an example where I realize, as much as I would never say those things, I don't respond in the same way when I hear someone else say those things, which which shows a bias on my part, which I'm ashamed to admit, but fuck it. Everyone has flaws. So I'll admit it. But the, the bottom, the bottom line is that not the bottom line, but, but the, the, the sort of the undercurrent of it all. And I don't know if it was just, again, me being a straight heterosexual white male of, you know, middle upper middle class, taking it the wrong way because I was clearly the sort of the butt of all of the insults and all of the jokes there. So I don't know whether that was what it was, 
but the but the thing is that everything was kind of still in a deprecating manner mm-hmm. in but it was just deprecating towards a different group of people ah, and so what needs and what needs to be realized is that when there when there are social norms and when there you know social norms are always going to exist because society of of societies and it doesn't matter what the society is and what the social norms are there's always going to be a norm and it doesn't you, you can agree with it you can disagree with it but there's always going to be a norm because there's always going to be what people normally do in a society right yeah. we can we can try to shift the norms into something more egalitarian or more whatever into a, into a norm that we that, that we're comfortable with but there's always going to be a norm and there's always going to be groups that are subordinate and groups groups that are superior it's it's the way human nature is and we should try to to equalize and all of that stuff but the thing is that it's not groups of people who act as groups of people it's individuals who act with individual actions and the reason why they can get away with it is because those actions are not uh dismissed or these actions are not um uh, they're given some kind of legitimacy such sure. as if uh, if a guy beats up a lesbian woman in the you know in the middle of the night she's not going to want to go to the police because it's his word against hers or whatever and she's going to have to face a humiliation of telling them he beat me up because I hit on his girlfriend or something like that so it's those kinds of it, it's that those kind of norms that should obviously be be taken care of so that when an action such as such as um battery happens the person can get you know can seek justice but at the end of the day it's like it's actions that are taken by scum by violent people by terrible people that that is the, that is the problem here not the not the the group membership right. and she got the, the reason why it was so frustrating to me and i'll get off i'll get off my soapbox soon but the reason why it was so frustrating to me is because it was so powerful and she had all of the tools to be able to to get people to understand where she's coming from in in the most effective way possible through 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 empathy through comedy through 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 reaching you know through actually getting the other person to put you know their, her shoes on and she didn't take and she she didn't take it all the way she she ended it with like a jab at men yeah for being men and i'm like why don't you realize that whether you like it or not you are marginalizing you're insulting you're getting a group of people and whether you think it's rightfully so or not you're getting a group of people to become defensive and to hate you for what you're saying because you're insulting them for what what they might not even be you know responsible for and sure. and and i and i hear what you're saying like you know when you when you talk about ancaps and you insult them and you say well if you, if you're not one of those and i'm not talking about you or you know and and i never get insulted by you know if i you know let's say that i that i you know define myself as an ancap i don't really but kind of let's say i do I never get insulted by what you say because yeah you raise a good point about all these group of people who who are exhibiting the 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 characteristics that you're saying and I as so happens I don't so I don't get insulted by that but but this is just like a very small example when it's when it comes to like a really successful show that 
get so close, but then insult a group of people for being a group of people. It's like, have you not heard what you just said for the last hour and a half? I don't know. It was very frustrating. I, I, I encourage everyone to watch it to get reach their own conclusions. I wouldn't mind hearing other people's thoughts on it. But at the end of the day, it's people who do bad things. And it's the people who did the bad things that, that is the problem. And when you put it in the context of who the person is who did the bad thing and therefore extrapolate it to the group of people that that person is a, is a member of, who do a bad thing, that is where things get, get, get bad. And, you know, it's like men don't understand what it's like to come out of the closet. The fuck I do. Like, I, most people still don't know that I'm an anarchist. Right. Like, it took me, it took me three or four years to tell my parents that, that I'm an anarchist. It, I don't even talk to my wife about a whole bunch of things that, that are on my mind because she's very unconfrontational and doesn't want to discuss some, some of these things because it's a little bit too, too tough for her. People that I work with, close friends of mine, don't know my true feelings. Like this, I, I don't know what it's like for a gay person to, 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 to be in the closet, I, I, I admit. But I don't know what it's like to come out. I don't know what it's like to, to not tell people everything that there is about me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what oppression is. I'm Jewish for fuck's sake. You know, it's like my people, bring quote unquote, yeah. my people, you know, have been, have been, you know, killed by the millions for just being what they are. Not that I believe, but, you know, if I were alive 60, 70 years ago, whatever, 80 years ago, I would have been thrown in with, with a lot of them. So it's like, just, yeah, just because I'm a white heterosexual male doesn't mean that I can be lumped in with everything else. And, and, and that's the problem with, anyone who collectivizes, whether it's Trump and his folk or whether it's, you know, Hannah Gatsby and her folk, it doesn't matter. Once you, once you group people and collectivize, it just fucks things up because it, it, it takes it away from, from the level that it's supposed to be solved at. It gets solved at the individual level. It doesn't get solved at the collective. Anyway, sorry. I'll be... No, that, yeah. I hear you, Daniel, and I am definitely going to be checking that uh, that show out uh, as far as that goes. Um, I, yeah, I, I hear so much of what you're saying, and, and certainly, you know, I, like I was going to bring that up. I mean, you and I, Daniel, are both Jewish uh, ethnically. You know, I, you know, I'm not a believer by any means. Um, and but I but you know, kind of I, I do wonder, like, do we have our like that very compassionate perspective that you were describing? You know, do we have that because of you know, that, that undercurrent in society of what happened to quote unquote, our people, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Um, I, I mean, it, it, this is, this is, it's, it's such a huge subject. Um, I, I really, <laughs> we could go another hour. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was like hesitant to even bring yeah, it up. Talk, talking about all the, well, I think it's important to get that out there. Um, and I don't want to, I, what I where I want to kind of take this. I mean, Robin, do you have any quick thoughts that you want to get out there? I know you're kind of waiting there. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, the 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 one, and I don't wouldn't even necessarily um, consider this a disagreement because I do think we need to address this primarily on an individual level. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Daniel, you talked about cultural norms and how uh, those are always going to be a factor. Um, the thing is, is that we don't always pay attention to how we process those cultural norms or necessarily even reinforce them on an individual level. 
So I think that's an important thing uh, when when we see a criticism that appears on the surface to be, you know, a collectivization. Um, really, what person is doing is identifying a cultural norm that is whether un whether consciously or, or unconsciously being reinforced by a lot of people in society on mm. individual either level, whether they're aware of it or not. Well, and, and, I, and I see a lot of that. So I think that it's, it's like an, an important perspective when you talk about, you know, saying that, you know, you don't get personally offended when somebody, you know, makes these criticisms or says the kind of things Brian does um, because you understand that uh, there are these forces that are a play in our society and that um, there's, there's a second component to where, you know, you can be aware of those, um, you know, in yourself, but a lot of people aren't. And a lot of people don't take that into consideration. And well, I'm not, and that, and I don't think I'm really collectivizing when I'm saying that because, you know, all the evidence is there to support that. So Robin, you're actually taking it in a direct, the kind of the direction that I was going to go. Um, I have one point I want to bring up first before I kind of build upon, I think what you were, what you were saying. The first point is, is that I think that, I think that humans in general, and there you go, collectivizing, I think they are terrified of treating people as individuals because the ultimate logical conclusion of treating everyone as an individual means that everything, everything in existence is case by case. Okay. I mean, there's laws, you know, the physics and of the universe and all that, that's not case by case. Okay. But Every human interaction is case by case. There are no hard and fast rules. And I think people are fucking terrified of that notion of that concept. And I know not everybody agrees with me on that. Okay. Because they're individuals, but I think that that's, that's a very powerful part of all of this. Um, and I've talked about that before. Now, where I want to, where I want to build on top of what you were saying, Robin, is that a lot of these things, a lot of what we're talking about, a lot of things that get oppressed, a lot of things where, where people are getting, you know, are told that they are wrong and, or that they get, uh, again, oppressed because of, you know, they love a woman and they're a woman or whatever that is. I think a big problem that we have is that we don't have, and, and you want to be careful because again, it can turn into collectivizing, but we don't have terms. We don't have the terms to describe, uh, you know, what's even going on for someone. Okay. For example, the word lesbian that comes from, you know, the Isle of Lesbos, right. In, in Greece, there was no word for it before. Of course, maybe there wasn't a need for the word because women loving women and people not paying attention to gender, maybe might not have been the, the, the name of the game. And of course, if you read the works of Hysad, you, you kind of get that, but, Regardless, like we, it's not until much later on that we actually build, that we have terms or words to even describe the stuff to where we could even address it in the first place. Um, and I think those terms can become like identifiers and then a collectivism can kind of build around that. But like for me, you know, if I'm saying, well, you know, I'm blaming men. Okay. I should, you know, should I just say assholes instead of men? I mean, like, you know, like there need, maybe there needs to be a new term. And that's something that I think we're also struggling with is that we think we've got all this shit figured out. Okay. We think yeah. that we have the words for all this stuff and that we can do it. And look, if, but if we don't have the words, we can't have the, the conversation in our own minds of yeah. what's going on for us and what's going right. on for society in general. Okay. And so that's, that is a very real problem that people are not paying attention to is that we don't have the words. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to lay a couple of terms on people that I want you to look into. Okay. One is, is emotional labor. Go ahead. If, in fact, I'll even give you, you have my, my holy blessing to go to Google. 
Okay. Because I want to make sure you are getting the best fucking research on this. Okay. Most people have probably never heard of this term of emotional labor. I want you to read about it. I want you to find out about it. And then I want your, I want to see if you want to take a selfie of yourself where your eyes suddenly go, Holy fuck. This is what people are dealing with. I want to see that another one. And this is one that's going to rub people kind of the wrong way. Emotional labor sounds kind of harmless enough, but you know, read about it. The other one is compulsory heterosexuality. Okay. I want you to read about that and then see what happens. Once you have terms for these things, it is amazing how the conversation will change in your mind about how you perceive what's going on in society and what's going on for yourself. Yeah. That, so that second one's a doozy. I mean, yeah. Um, I, it's just, I mean, it's just a fact. And, and, you know, we're all kind of laid with the shit deal and that we were uh, raised in the society. We didn't get to choose the, the, the shape and color and aspects of the society that we're born into. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we didn't have any decision and, you know, the kind of biases that are presented to us as children and that we accept unconsciously. Right. Sure. I, I mean, and, and, and understand that all of this has been, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And all of this has been going on forever. I mean, consider like the word wife. Now the word wife to us today, you know, it, it means what it means and it, it's kind of its own thing. But like, you know, when you get into the entomology of the word, when you get into where it all comes from, the people that originally came up with the word wife, that had some very specific meanings. Yeah. That meant that a woman was property. Literally, it came from the word property. Right. Okay, and so- I think I think where a lot of people get upset is, is that, you know, uh, they feel the burden is placed on them to change things. And that's absolutely true. And people go, you know, like, why do, why does my generation, why do I have to be the one that changed when all these people behind me, uh, you know, got on quote unquote, just fine and came out. Okay. But you know, if, if, if we're not going to be the ones to change it, who is, is it, it's, it, I think personally, it's irresponsible for us to keep kicking the down the can down the road and expecting the next generation to, do something about this. Oh, that, yeah, that, and that's, boy, that's a whole other can of, you know, and that's a big thing in libertarianism as well. The idea of having children to be the next generation of activists, like, right. how, how dare you, right? How dare you tell your kid what they need to do or what they need to be? And how dare you have a child for that purpose? That's outrageous. You know, if you want, if you want freedom, you, well, you've got to do that. You yeah. know, and, and, and that's, that's where, that's one of those, that's one of many things. Right. And that, and that should, and that should be yeah. a big thing for libertarians because it's all about personal responsibility. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, um, we got to wrap this baby up. So, and I don't mean a baby that some libertarian just had, um, we, we got <laughs> we, we to, we got to put this to bed. How many other, oh boy, I'm just using all the terms now. Um, but Daniel, that was a very, very powerful point to bring up. Uh, and Robin, I'm glad you joined in on it. Um, I hope there's some clarity on how I felt about things. And certainly this is a conversation that we can pick up next month. Um, on a live hangout q and I would be happy to do that. And if people want to come together and bring their resources and, you know, bring their best arguments and whatever else, here is the open invitation. I am more than happy to talk about this stuff. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's, these are the deep things that need to get worked out. This is not the economic and the political. This is the real shit. You know, this is the shit that there is, that is in people's hearts and heads. So, um, Anyway, okay. So, Daniel, thank you so much. Robin, thank you so much, man. It was great to, great talking with both of you, and I really appreciate the perspectives brought up. And uh, I will wrap this up. And, of course, more content to come out throughout August for Sovereign Tech. 
And, uh, you know, you got questions about this too. If you want to, if you just want me to talk about it, you know, send it in for the Wednesday Q and a, and I can talk about it on the Wednesday Q and a. So that's it for this, uh, this month for August with our live hangout Q and a, I will see all of you whoo, on the other side.